Hey, everyone. This is Becky Hennessy, host of the Reformers Collective Podcast. This upcoming episode is a conversation that I had with my very good friend, guest speaker, Tori Peterson, Mrs. Universe, leading up to the first Reformers Collective Conference held on October 18th and 19th at Trinity Church in Cedar Hill, Texas. I am excited today to introduce to you to my brand new friend, Tori Peterson. Welcome, Tori. Thank you so much for having me, Becky. It truly is an honor to be a part of the Reformers Conference and to be considered a reformer. You are so much, yes. So my personal definition, the definition I came up with to um, for reformer is someone who gets godly solutions to earthly problems. And um, we highlight the problem that you are most passionate about. You, you probably have many things that you're passionate about, but one of the things that you're passionate about is foster care, foster kids, foster system. So can you tell me a little bit about your story and just... Um, yeah, a little bit of your background and how this became one of the things that you cared most about. Yeah, of course. So I, I grew up with a single mom. Um, she was diagnosed with bipolar and schizophrenia. So my household was um, very unstable. And my mom was quite volatile. In my teen years, things started to get worse. And I had to enter the foster care system. And I was, I entered the foster care system for the first time when I was four, but I was actually reunified with my mom and I lived with her until I was 12. And so then I went back in when I was 12 years old and I was like, I entered the foster care system, Becky. And I was like, okay, this is my chance at like a family. Like this is my chance at a normal home, um, a normal family. And I was really excited actually, because the abuse um, with my first family started to get really bad. And I had a sister as well. She was 10 years younger than me. So she was, she was like two or three, I was 12 when we went in. And, um, it turns out that we were separated from each other after living in our first home together. Um, I went to a group home for youth with behavioral issues. And I'm saying like, this is their wording, behavioral issues and psychological problems. Um, and I had never been diagnosed or shown anything like that, but there wasn't a place for me. Um, and literally in my file in black and, and white, it read unwanted, um, unplaceable, unadoptable. This is after my very first home. And um, it was just devastating. I moved throughout 12 different homes, wow. home after home. It's like, okay, this is going to be the family. This is going to be the one. And it's just like it never came. So, and, and on top of that, there was, there was corruption in the system. Caseworkers, the caseworkers were people, I think foster parents get a bad rep. Um, but I would actually say most of the parents who go into the foster care system do have a heart to serve the orphan and the widow. Um, I think it's really hard to have kids in your home who come from really hard places um, and not have a heart and inclination towards really serving and loving. Um, I think the place where my heart was broken the most was my experience with the caseworkers because they were the ones who, they wrote those labels in black and white in those files. And I became, um, I became older. I was like 17 and a nonprofit approached me. They, they did advocacy for foster youth and I'd never heard of like a nonprofit doing something like that. 
Um, but they were holding a gala and they said, we want you to stand on the stage and we want you to hold a sign. And I was like, okay, well, what, what should the sign say? And I said, whatever you want people to know about you being in foster care, you being a, like a foster youth. And I said, I want to write on it. Stop stereotyping me. Wow. Because I was always, I always felt like people were just like, oh, she's a bad kid. I was actually a straight A student, um, 4.0 GPA, really great, good athlete. I ran track, um, and I wanted people, I had like my, the, my friends at school, like their, their parents wouldn't let them hang out with me cause I was in foster care and their parents wouldn't like let them come to my foster homes cause I was in foster care. And so I was like, I just want people to stop putting like these blanket stereotypes on me so that I can, I can have friends and I can like have what my peers have. Um, so that's what I wrote on my sign and people were walking by me and they were like crying. And that was kind of like the first sign. I feel like that's when God planted the seed of like, you have something to say. Uh, you have something to reform. You are powerful just by holding the sign. How powerful could you be if you actually spoke up and spoke about your whole story? And my church, um, my church was a reforming church. My The church I grew up in, I should say, I did not grow up in the church. I started going to church um, in a foster home. When I was like 17 and the pastor, he fostered, um, they just kind of, they walked out what they talked mm. and it was very, it was very compelling. It was very moving, um, because I was so drawn. I could cry right now. I was so drawn by the heart of Jesus, just like loving me. I was abandoned and I was, I really was an orphan. And, but this, this story of Jesus and God of like, he's your father and he came to save you and he came to live in flesh on earth so that you could know love. That was just so compelling to me. Um, and I had foster parents who said they were Christian, but didn't really walk that out. And so that's when it was confusing. And then when I, I moved into a church that did walk that out so well, it was like, okay, this is what the love of Jesus looks like. And I want to be a part of that. Um, so when I was like 16, 17, I jumped into this advocacy. I started volunteering for the nonprofit. And then um, after so many years of volunteering with them, they actually gave me a full-time job as wow. their family care coordinator. Um, and the advocacy has just kept going in different ways. I've been so blessed by God. I've been able to advocate to congressmen and women, White House policy staffers. Um, and then out of a total whim, you know, the pageant thing is the farthest thing from my life. Um, but I do love being fabulous. And I was, um, I was kind of in like this low spot. My husband and I, we were fostering a sibling group of three. Um, we, so we have two biological kids and an adopted son. So we had five kids, three and under. Wow. Um, and I just <laughs> finished writing my memoir, um, that'll be published through B&H. And I was just like so low to, to kind of hash all that stuff up. Um, some of the worst memories ever um, in the midst of being like in the thick of foster care and watching the pain of these youth. I mean, I was just like, I was sad. Um, and I was like, someone presented Mrs. Universe pageant to me. And I was like, that sounds fun. <laughs> that sounds different. Than I love that. I've ever done. <laughs> and I believe that God can still be glorified, even in the things that look superficial. God can come through anything. And yeah. so I was like, God, I just like, I kind of like was putting it to the side. And then it was like two weeks 
where God just kept putting it on my heart, like, you need to compete. And I was like, I do love competing. I was an athlete for 10 years. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to compete in this pageant. Like I'm going to do it. I hired a coach. Um, and here I am. So <laughs> crazy story because you have this competitive edge, uh, and, and it was at the right time, right? Just something to bring you out of the funk, the sadness, the, you know, how, um, I love it. I love that God gave you something to hold on to and to pour your energy and your heart into to get you out of that dark place or that deep place that you went to from circumstances. And then, yeah, writing a book about your life, that had to be really incredible hard. So is your book out? What's the name of it? So it'll be called Fostered, um, One Woman's Powerful Story of Finding Faith and Family in Foster Care. And it'll, it actually has a year. Our publishing date is a year. So August okay. 2022. Okay, great. So yeah, the Mrs. Universe. So you hired a coach, you entered and wow, you won. <laughs> yeah, I'm just as surprised as uh, you sound. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love it. Somebody has to win. Why not you, right? You love being fabulous. Tori, I love that you said that. You love being fabulous. You knew that when somebody saw you and recognized you with a cardboard sign that said, I, I don't want to be stereotyped. I want to be seen for who I am. And you felt how good that felt for people to actually be moved by just you being there. And so you have, God has used you. And obviously just from that short little snippet of your life, he has been with you and, and, and walk with you. So, so now you're an advocate for what foster kids or organizations. Yeah. So I would say that my main gigs um, are doing what I'm going to come do at Reformers, um, talking about my story and what God has done through it, but more importantly, what God can do through others. Um, when we allow him, when we just surrender to him um, and his lordship and his goodness, um, and I educate people about foster care from the perspective of a former foster youth. I do that on social media. I do that at speaking engagements. And then I founded a nonprofit and that's called the Beloved Initiative. And it was really inspired by so much of it was inspired by the sign story. Um, so what we do, just a small part of what we do is we offer foster families free photo shoots because, you know, foster, like imagine like being in your house and your husband, like your sweet husband, your sweet kids, like they put all these pictures up on the wall. And they're like, mom's not in any of them. Wow. And you're like, like, why am I not ever in the picture on the wall? And so we just created this small initiative where we offer foster families free family photos. We mobilize photographers. Um, we've kind of written a PDF of like, how do we deal with kids who come from hard places who might feel uncomfortable being in family pictures? Um, because we know that there's fruit of seeing them, seeing themselves on the wall, like saying like this that you actually do belong and your life is going to pieces of your life are going to inform that truth. Um, and at the photo shoots, we then ask the kids, do you want to make a sign? Do you want, um, what do you want people to know about you being in foster care? If you can encourage another foster youth, what would you say? Our foundation is Genesis 50, 20, that God can make all things good. Um, and possibly for the saving of many lives. So good. I love it. I love everything about it. And so here you are now, um, a, a former foster kid. That's your story. And you now are a foster parent. Also, you have, you said two birth, you have little, two beautiful little babies, right? 
Yeah, so right now in our home, we just have two biological babies, and we have an adopted son. Um, He's actually an adult. We always say we're Gen Zs who are parents of Gen Zs, which we know is really funky, but when you're walking hand-in-hand with Jesus, you know, your life is going to be funky because you're going to have a lot of miracles in it. So that's awesome. You're you're Gen Zers raising a Gen Z, adopt your parents of a Gen Zer. Gen Zers, parents of a Gen Zer. Yeah, we're we're the oldest of Gen Zs though. So you're right there, right there on the millennial Gen Zers. That's, That's a good story though. That's a good byline. So when people come to the reformers, we're, um, they're coming in, uh, Two things is our our goal is a lot of things, but the two main things is number one, that people would hear some stories and Holy Spirit would just pinpoint uh, areas or purpose or people. For you, your people are foster kids, right? That would just what you would say your people are. And so mm-hmm. people will be coming to here saying, I want to be used by God to bring solutions, to bring to to show up fully of who God made me so that I can help restore something that's broken. And, and for sure the foster care program is broken, right? You would say that that would be for sure, right? Absolutely. So there's a lot of organizations that are here in Dallas that care about the foster kids. But one of the things we're trying to do is to not start something new. I don't need to advocate new and start a new organization for foster kids. I'm just trying to bring together people who are already doing it, who have that calling and that mandate and that, you know, passion to come together. Because if we come together and do it together, it's so much more effective. Don't you think? Yes. And I love that. I always tell people like, you don't have to start something new. You do not have to rewrite the script. I mean, sometimes God calls us to that. Sometimes he calls us to do something brave and bold and out of the ordinary, but actually more often than not, God says, where are you right now? What do you have and how can you use it? Like reforming things starts at our kitchen table and in our backyard and with our neighbors. Like we don't have to go overseas. We don't have to go out of state. Like we do not have to be even on a stage. Like we just have to open our doors and like add an extra seat to our table. Right. I think the greatest reformers are the people who just get out and do the stuff and don't make a big noise about it. And truly hundreds of thousands of people are doing good things, Holy Spirit things in the earth. And we just need to learn about it. And so if someone wanted to uh, say, I care about foster kids, I want to help the widow and the orphan. I want to help and find people like the young Tory who um, was ostracized, you know, and, and not included. And what can they do? Where do they start? What do they do to begin? Yeah, well, first, we always start with education, right? Because this, this realm of foster care, I think we can think we know it, um, but we don't really know it until we're in it. So education is always a great start. Uh, prayer. And after that, man, there are so many ways. The, the advertisement we see is always become a foster or adoptive parent, right? But there's so much more. Um, I think people should start going to their pastors and saying, who are the foster families in our church? And if their pastor doesn't know, well, then they need to say, well, we got to figure it out. And if their pastor does know, then they need to, you know, they need to start a ministry for them. So, because it's hard. Um, there's a statistic that says foster parents make 12 times more of the decisions uh, for their children than parents who just have biological children. And that's because they have the caseworkers and the biological parents involved and they're in court like every other week. I mean, and you know, when you're a foster parent, you can't just like not take the kid to the doctor. Um, 
like annual checkup or like month like kids these foster kids have like monthly checkups I mean the schedules that foster parents have are wild and so to just be taking one to go to your pastor and say who can we serve and saying look look at what you have like you probably have a washer and dryer you probably have um you probably have a stove so like make a meal they're in in the foster care realm we call them laundry fairies and what you do is you set your laundry on your porch someone comes and takes it they do your laundry fold it and then they bring it back and just set it on your porch so you don't gotta see anybody and your laundry just ends up done um it's such a blessing and we don't have to do i i delivered a meal to a foster mom the other day in my community and i just it was just like spaghetti you know it was nothing fancy it took me like, she had, she has a big family, like family of 12. So it took me like an hour to make. Um, but I dropped it off to her. She had tears in her eyes and she said, I was able to take a nap today because I didn't have to cook dinner. And then I was able to just have more patience for my kids. And so it's like, it's just so much more than dinner. It's so much more than spaghetti. It's like this relationship building mechanism. That's what our serving is. And we can really do it in so many ways. Um, another, I'll just say one more really good way, kind of outside of the church, if there, because there could be people who are coming in here and they're not in the church, right. and um, they can still make a difference, and they can in in the life of a child. And so, um, another really awesome way to serve youth is called a court-appointed special advocate or CASA. Mm. You can literally look up C A S A. And what they do is they go into court, they're volunteer, and they advocate for what's in the best interest of the child. And they are the only person in the child's caseload that does not have a conflict of interest. That is not, they're like, that's not working for the county and the child. It's not working for the parent and the child. They just solely work for the child. So their their job is so important. So good. Well, at this conference, you're going to, you're one of our first speakers in the Monday morning, um, one of our main speakers. I'm so excited to share you with everybody who's coming. And, and, and you also are going to be with another, a group of ladies, a uh, group of uh, foster care workers um, in a breakout session. And the idea of that breakout session, I love this idea that we're doing, is that give people an opportunity to see a problem and then come up with a solution. So that breakout session will actually be around round tables that the people who come and sit in there will be given a problem and then with their group around the table, come up with a solution. And we're gonna see who comes up with these amazing solutions because we want people to know that they don't just have to see the problems and be overwhelmed by the problems, that Holy Spirit could actually give them wisdom and revelation to bring solution to those problems. And what you're saying, people don't, People don't put the two and two together. They don't think of doing laundry or cooking a meal or taking a photograph can really be something that God would use to bring answers. But they, it really is, right? I mean, it's really simple. Just show up with your gift of who you are and just share that with somebody else. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, use what you have. I so mean, good. because when we use what we have, like I, I always think of the the woman you know, who gave, who gave all that she had. And there were people who gave millions, there were people who gave so much, but God was like, you know, what she gave was, was more valuable. And we don't, we don't have to do anything big. We don't have to do anything grandeur. We just have to give what we have and God will do the best with it. 
So good. But God, when you're faithful in the little things, he continues to give you more and more responsibility, more and more influence, more and more land or territory, as we say, in the church. So what is the big dream for you, Tori? What do you dream like, you know, 10, 20 years from now? What do you want to see changed or happen in the foster care or with foster students? Do you just want to be there you know, week by week to um, help people to see, see the foster kids? Do you want to see some change? Is there something that you really have in your heart that you want to see happen? But so like 15, 20, or when you're old like me, I'm 64 years old. What would you like to look back and say, God help me to do that? What would that be? Wow. Um, wow. You know, I think so my nonprofit is called the Beloved Initiative, and my heart behind it is really showing youth that they are beloved children of God. Because when I was in foster care, and even when I came out of foster care, like that was the thing that I struggled with the most, and still do, honestly, is like that doubt in my identity and who God says I am. Because so much, so much garbage was just spoken over me. And that file, man, oh, that file so rough. And every foster youth has one. And I, so I think, um, I want, I want to build some kind of reform that communicates these truths to foster youth and to survivors of all different kinds. Um, because I've tried all the different healing balms, Becky, like I've done the counseling, I've done the journaling, I've done the working out. I was an athlete for 10 years. I get a good amount of sleep every night. I drink my water. Like, I could go on and on and on. I do the things. But there is no healing balm like Jesus. There is no healing balm like knowing you are loved by the most important person there is to be loved by. You can be unloved by every other person, but it actually doesn't even matter because God says, like, like his love is the biggest, he's the biggest. And that's who we're loved by. I mean, and he literally loves us so much that he dwells within us. I mean, that truth, when I doubt myself and when those thoughts come back to haunt me, which they do, they do all the time. I, I hear my mom's words and I hear my caseworker's words. And I think about that song, like the name of Jesus is powerful. And it's just like, when I sing that over myself, it's like, okay, this is, it really does like, it makes those thoughts go away. Like God just takes these thoughts captive and he overcomes the enemy and he makes us victors. And so I just, if there's some kind of solution, you know, to that, to, to these kids knowing the good news, that's what yeah. I want. So um, good. And, I, and that's why I do this because also I think, youth really struggle to hear from people who don't come from the same places that they come from. Mm, that's um, good. You know, they have experienced so much hurt and pain and they're saying, you know, they look at someone on the stage and we never know someone's full story, but when I can come out and say immediately, like I've been where you've been and God is the only thing that calms me and saves me and comforts me in the depths of my despair they listen. So good. You have the story and you have the answer. That's beautiful, Tori. Well, we're excited to have you and share your story. And I really do believe that um, 
the identity thing. God attacks the identity in every human being. And of course, when um, they're foster kids and have um, that unwanted label over them, how, you know, how difficult that is in the natural. But really, Jesus does come to give us a new identity, to give us all of the things that our soul longs for. So that's that's a beautiful thing. We want to walk with you. We want to walk alongside of you. We're excited to have you in our family here and connect with us. And um, I saw that you and your husband are going to be at my house on Sunday night for the dinner. Yes, I'm so excited. I thought it was so sweet that, like, I was like, what a hospitable pastor. But she's about to have us in her home for dinner. Um, I think sometimes when, you know, you see pastors of big churches, they aren't accessible. Um, so I just love, one of the things is my platform has grown I have prayed God continue to make me accessible. I don't want to become quote unquote so big that I can't sit with people around my dinner table or I don't just have time to stop. Like I'm so compelled by the idea. I'm always running Becky. Like I'm always doing something. And I follow you on Instagram. I know I'm like, you are a busy, busy person. <laughs> and, but I'm so compelled by the fact that Jesus stopped, you know, he always stopped. And, um, if when you when you invited us into your home, that was yeah. Thank you. That was I thought that was so sweet. Yeah, I've, I'm excited for the connections because I believe that um, just just January of this year, I went to a conference and just in the green room, sitting around at the lunch table, I met some of the most amazing people that are now literally in my life just from that. And I'm like, it's the connections. It's not even so much about maybe the average attendee coming and sitting. But the connections with people, um, you know, and and friendships and relationships. So, you know, once once you're part of Jim and Becky's life, you're 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 there forever. So I'm excited to get the yearly Christmas cards from you and your family. <laughs> but we'll see you on Sunday. Thank you for joining us today and give a big hug to my your children. They're beautiful children and your good looking husband. I'm looking forward to meeting him. <laughs> he is so good looking, is he? He's so handsome. Thank you. Okay. I want to say one more thing. Can I say one more thing? Sure. Uh, what you said about connections just um, kind of lit a fire in me. Um, I think sometimes we can, for those people coming to this conference, I think sometimes we can come and we can sit in our seat and we can listen. Um, but I just want to challenge people to be expectant, not just what's on stage, but who's sitting next to you or who's sitting in the row in front of you, you know, be interested in people. Um, I always say treat people like they're the most important person you'll ever meet because when you make those connections, you never know what God can do because when three or more gather together, you know, God can move um, when we are all together on mission for him. So good. I love it. Yeah. The connections are the most important thing. And I feel like in my heart that people, like you say, just sitting in, in one of these seats or going to one of the breakout sessions or having lunch together or having dinner together with someone that they've never met before, that that's where the God glory is going to be, where the God presence is going to be. And, yes. and it, it will change literally the trajectory of, of a person's life. So thank you for agreeing, for being here. And um, we'll see you Sunday, okay? Yes, see you Sunday. Bye, Becky. All God right, bye-bye. Thanks.